Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, You Asked, How Did We Get Here? Presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on July 17, 2016. Isn't that cool just to watch our kids worship and be excited about Jesus? Isn't it cool? I don't know about you, but it, it fires me up inside. Amen. Give God a hand for that. God is so good, so, so, so wonderful. Well, this morning we're going we're gonna to talk about a, a basic question as we con- continue through this series, uh, You Asked. And I think it's a question that all of us have asked in our life t- lifetime, young and old, whether you're a, a teenager or an adult. Um, it's a very simple but very basic question. And the question is, where do we come from? You know, we know we're here, but where do we come from? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever sat in your room, maybe quietly, just wondering, where did I come from? You know, most moms in the room are probably saying, I brought you here. (laughs) You know, I got you here. Yeah, that's half true. But I think to this question, we have pretty much just about two answers. Two answers that, that most people will look to and actually even affirm as what they believe to be true. One is that, that we evolved, that we just kind of got here randomly, that all of a sudden we kind of just showed up, things just kind of became. And the other answer that others subscribe to would be that we are from intelligent design, that we have a creator that created us in a beautiful, wonderful, magnificent way, in our complexity, with purpose, And with a plan. But whatever you subscribe to, whatever you think this morning, however you think you got here this morning, I want to kind of take us down a path this morning to discover some truths of what the scripture says of how we got here, how we became. So if you would grab your Bibles, and I want you to mark in Genesis chapter 1, and then also we're going to look in the New Testament in Acts chapter 17. And I believe that God's word, the Bible, the scriptures, will give us some answers this morning, some things to think about, and even some more questions that you and I could ask about how did we get here. See, the world around us says that we are a product of random chance. And see, that, that really doesn't make any sense to me. That really doesn't compute in my mind. And I'm not a, a super intelligent guy. But to think that I just showed up one day without any thought, any process. And then when I think about how my body is and how intricately designed it is, it's just not an answer that I can swallow very easily. But as I, as I read God's word and as I look to the designer, to the creator, to creation... As I read those things and I discover that there was someone that created us. As I look at the the complexity of the world around me and the intricacy of the things that have been designed and created for you and I. And the great purpose that each and everything has in this world, in this life. See, I can swallow that. I I can relate to that. I can have an understanding of that. So before we read this passage this morning, I'd like to pray for us. 
you would bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that, that you've given us the amazing privilege to gather together as your creation, as mankind, to open up your word, the scriptures, to discover just where we came from, to have a better understanding of our purpose, our plan, the things that you desire for us. Father, thank you for giving us your words. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of all that you're doing. Lord, my prayer this morning is that as we listen to you, as we open our hearts and our minds this morning, Father, that that you would teach us, that you would change us, and that you would just draw us deeper in this relationship that I truly believe you have for us. Lord, you created us. And you created us with a purpose. Lord, we look to you in this moment and we do it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, if you would look at Genesis chapter 1, and and this is the creation story. This is what we teach in Sunday school, which many of us have learned uh, throughout our years if we grew up in the church. And it comes out of Genesis chapter 1, the first few verses, 1 through 5. And it simply says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Well, if you jump forward a few passages to uh, verses 26 and 27, this is where you and I, this is where we come into play in God's creation. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. You know, I want to pause on that one real quick because we think about um, our identity in Christ. Jason did a great job of sharing and helping us understand our identity in Christ last week and our purpose that God has for us. Right here, our identity is is given to us. See, God created you and I in his image. That's our identity. And then it says here, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female alike. Each and every one of us have been created in the image of God. We are image bearers for this God that created all things. See, that should leave us in awe. That should pull us back a couple of steps and say, we should be saying, wow. God, you created me to be like you. See, we we are the products of this divine intelligence. And because of that, we need to know more about who he is. We need to move towards understanding who this God is, who this creator is. And I think that's one of the big mistakes that as humans in our humanity that we make. Even those that, that say, yes, I believe that God created all things. We just kind of take it for that because we grew up in Sunday school and mom said this and mom said that and she taught me that. 
See, but God says something different. He not only wants us to know that he is the creator of the heavens of the earth, he doesn't only want us to know that he created us in his image. He wants us to know him personally. He wants us to know him intimately. So as we look at Acts chapter 17, if you'd flip your Bibles over there, here we have Paul. And he's speaking to these individuals, very specific. And it's interesting because as you live very small sermons, as you listen to his message of the gospel, as he shares the gospel, he does it in a very specific way. He's usually speaking to Jewish people that already believe in God. They already say there is a God that created. They follow the Old Testament writings and they believe and they trust in that. See, Paul is sharing with those people about Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah that has come to save all of mankind from their iniquities, from their sin. But right here in this passage, we see something different. We see a a, a very different type of sermon. And I think for you and I, it's a great reminder even as believers, even if we do not believe that God created, this is a passage that will help us see clearly that there is a God, and this God did create mankind. And this God is someone who wants to be known. So let's read it together. Acts 17, it's going to be up on the screen, starting in verse 24 there. So Paul, standing in the midst of Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with inscription, with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man, the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And in verse 31, he says this. All of this has happened because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has pointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And he's speaking of Jesus Christ. See, it's important to note that Paul is making something very clear to you and I here. He's making it clear that this God that we talk about, that people share a little bit, not only is the true and living God, but this God wants to be known by you and I. 
He wants to have this personal relationship with each and every one of us. So this should bring up some questions for you. This brought up many questions for me. First and foremost, the answer to one of the questions here in this passage is, who is our creator? See, in verse 24, Paul makes it very clear. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. See, I I think that's what happens sometimes as, as humans in our nature, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, is that we see God as God, and we talk about him, and we, we elevate him on Sunday mornings, and we're excited to experience him and to have him do things for us and help us do things. But sadly enough, we've, we've created and shaped him into this image that we can just put up on a shelf. And every now and then, when life gets hard, or we struggle with something, or our kids don't do what we ask them to do, or work is difficult, we reach up on that shelf and we grab this image. We grab this God and we say, God, please, can you come into my life and help me right now? See, but Paul is making it very clear here who God is. He says, this isn't a God that that just lives in temples. This isn't a God that, that was just made and created by man. See, this is the God that created man. This is the God that created you. That's a powerful statement that Paul's here. See, he's telling us that God reveals himself through our word, the Bible. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 40. I love what Isaiah says here. He says, lift up, as he speaks to the people, he says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. You know, here in New Mexico, we we have some of the most amazing sunsets, some of the most amazing sunrises, don't we? I mean, if you look at our skies, although yesterday morning wasn't an indication of that because of that haze that was on there, but if you look up at our skies, they are the bluest of skies. You know, God's creation reveals his glory to us. And Isaiah here is saying, lift up your eyes on high and see. Look around you at all of creation and see. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. And he asks a question. He says, why do you say, O Jacob and Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. This is who God is. This is who our creator is. And he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. See, this is our creator the God that we serve, the God that loves you and I. It is the God that created all things. You know, the the question that that I have to ask myself is, well, what happened? You know, growing up in in the church, growing up with a Christian background, there was a season in my life where where I lost sight of this creator God. I lost sight of this God that, that loved me so deeply, that brought me here, that got me here. And I had to ask the question, what has happened? And what did I decide to do in my life that, that turned me away and that lost 
that help me to lose sight of this God? Well, I, I personally believe it's because I created other gods. I, I found things in this world that were, that were more fun and, and a little more exciting and that pleased me and excited me. And I elevated those things and I turned them into idols. I turned them into images and, and things that became of a higher priority to me than, than the God that created me. I, I think as, as people, I think we can all be guilty of that. And, and you can fill in the blank for yourself. You know, for some of us, it, it might be that, that I've elevated my work or my career and turned it into a God, and I worship it. And, and, and if you're saying right now, well, no, I don't worship my job, I want to ask you about how much time you give to your job in comparison to other things. Because usually when we start to put things in proportion, that'll usually help us to see more clearly what is our priority and what do we worship and what do we give our affections to and our love to. And that's really what happens to all of us. That's what happened here to these men that, that Paul is speaking to. He's saying, you've created all of these gods, and then over here you've got this one unknown God. But what you don't realize is that he is the God that wants to be known. What you don't realize is he is the God that is alive and active. See, all these other gods, they can do you no good. Because they're not alive. They're things that you have created. See, but the God that created, he is the God that will provide. And he is the God that will care for. And he is the God that will love you. And he wants you to know him. See, I want to challenge you this morning to lift up your eyes towards creation, to see that there is a creator and he is God. He is alive. He is active. And he wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He is the one that calls each and uh, every one of us by name. See, I have a, a pretty interesting name. When I share my name, when I say, you know, someone says, hey, what's your name? I'm Johnny. And I say, I'm Floyd. They usually, excuse me, Lori? <laughs> excuse me, what? <laughs> you know, I have a, a very unique name and it really doesn't fit maybe what I look like, so maybe that's why it's confusing. But the beautiful thing about my name and the beautiful thing about your name is that our God knows you by it. Have you ever thought about that? That God calls you by name. I'm horrible with remembering names, but God isn't. God calls you by name. This is the God that created you. Well, the next question that we have here is, what is he like? If we understand that, that we have a creator and this God that we hear about and talk about, well, what is he like? Well, verse 25 says this. It says, Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all to all mankind life and breath and everything. See, from this passage, we get a better understanding of what God is like. And the first thing that I want to tell you is that God doesn't need anything that you have. 
And I'll tell you, for the simple fact that God has given you everything that you have. And it begins with the very simplest of things, the thing that we take for granted on a daily basis, the thing that that some of us wake up every morning and do not realize, do not give praise to God that we get to have. And it's simply breath. We get a new day. We get life. It says it right here. He said, He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. You and I couldn't live our lives. We couldn't do our jobs if God didn't allow us to. See, God has given us everything, but he doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't want our money. He doesn't want our cars. He doesn't want our homes. What I believe God wants from us is our affections. See, God created us to be in relationship with him. If you go back to the Genesis story, he did all of these things. He spoke all of these things into life. And at the end of it, it tells us that he was pleased. It tells us that, that he rested because he looked upon his creation. And I got to imagine God had a big smile. I, I, I've got to imagine when, when God looks at you right now, wherever you sit, whoever you think you are right now, whatever you struggle with, I, wanna, I want you to know that, that God looks at you and he smiles. And he doesn't smile because you're the best at something. He doesn't smile because you can talk the best or because you can walk the best or because you have a whole lot of hair and it's combed really pretty. I'm thankful for that part. But he looks at us and he smiles because he created us. Can you think about that? It's because he created us. We are his creation. See, God is a God of love. Isaiah chapter 40, if you get a chance this week, I want to challenge you just to read it because this passage in Isaiah, this chapter, reveals God's greatness. And there's some things that I want to share with you in God's greatness and what he is like. God is powerful. We have to see and note that God is powerful. See, we don't just serve this meek little God. We serve the powerful creator God. And we have to see him for who he is. Again, the Genesis story tells us that he simply spoke and it was and it is. See, God doesn't have to lift a finger. He just simply needs to speak and it becomes. The other thing, and we, we set, sang this song and I, and I love this song. I, I hope that you were encouraged by the song, What Do I Know About Holy? Because what do we know of holy? As, as humans, what do we know of holy? See, God, God is holy. And you and I, we're just discovering what that holiness is. We're just discovering what it means to, to be in the presence of this holy God, this creator. See, God is holy. Isaiah 43, 15 says, I, and this is God's words, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. See, because God is so holy, this is why our sin, our disobedience, this is why it separates us from God. Because God isn't sinful. God 
isn't unrighteous. But we as humans have decided to go our own way. We as people have decided to live and worship our own gods and create our own gods. And every now and then we'll reach for God, the creator, and pull him off the shelf. See, our sin is what separates us from God. The disobedience that we live in is what separates us from God because he is a holy God. And his hope and his desire was that we'd know this great love that he has for us. His hope and his desire would be that we would come to know him more and discover how loving and how kind and how full of mercy and how full of grace that he truly is. No matter where we stand, no no matter how bad we think our sin is, God loves you. See, and that's the other thing that we know that he is like, that he is loving. You know, a famous passage, and we see it on bumper stickers all over. John three sixteen. most of us can quote it. Some of us misquote it. So I wrote it down just in case. John three sixteen says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Turn with me over to 1 John four sixteen because this isn't easy. If you can remember 1 John three sixteen, as you're sharing your love and your hope of Jesus Christ with someone, Point them to 3.16 and then flip them over to 1 John 4.16. I'm going to turn with you. It's towards the end there. If you beat me to it, I'll let you read it out loud. How's that sound? 1 John 4.16. This is who God is. Verse 16 in chapter 4 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. We believe John 3, 16. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. See, this is who God is. God is love. That's his characteristic is love. He loves you. He loves me. See, God just wants to know us. God wants us to know him. He wants us to come and discover what he is like, who he is like. He wants us to understand his characteristics. And and the hope is this, that as we discover and understand his characteristics, that we would again be image bearers. That we would share his love. See, because if we abide in love we're more apt to share his love, right? When we understand God's love, we're more apt to share God's love. And God wants us to know him. He wants us to know what he he is like. Well, the third thing that we see here is, and the question that we have to ask is, well, if we know all of this, we answer all these questions, well, what does this God want from us? What does he want from me? Floyd. Well, in verse 27, we we get the answer. Paul says this, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. See, in this simple little verse, Paul helps us to understand what it means to have faith. 
See, because in our relationship, in our pursuit of understanding and asking the question, where do we come from? There is an element or a piece of this that we have to have faith. See, because the truth of the matter is that we don't know it all. We don't have it all figured out. Even with all the things that we have, we still don't have all of the answers. And Paul says simply this, that perhaps you and I would fill our way towards him. That we would put a little bit of faith in our discovery of who this God is. See, God wants us to seek after him. He wants you and I to pursue him. And it's because he wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with each and every one of us. And that takes faith. That takes trust. See, I, I wish I could tell you that, that I had all the answers. I wish I could tell you that, that anything that you could ask is, is, is there to be answered, just waiting for you to ask. But the truth of the matter, it's not. See, there are things that we may never understand. There are things that, that we may go through in this lifetime that we may never know why or the answer to until we get to heaven. But our responsibility right now, what God desires for you and I, is to just seek after him, to understand him, to get to know him. So that we can never say that that we have on our bookshelf this idol of this unknown God. That we can go out into the world and proclaim and say, we know this God that created you. We know this God that created me. And because I know him intimately, because I understand his love and because I understand his hope and because I understand his purpose for my life, I want to share that with you. I want to share that with the world. Because if we try, I tell you today, we believe, we will make a difference in this world. And I tell you today is a day like no other. I mean, you watched the news this last week, right? And if you didn't, there's tragedy all over the world. We, we live in a hopeless world. We live in a world that has created their own gods, that have moved to worshiping these false and unknown gods. And for whatever reason, they have decided to take the one true living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, out of play. Not realizing that he is the only one that is alive and that is active and that will make the difference. Let's make together today, church, today you and I, let's make the commitment. Let's make the promise the best we can to make sure that our God is a known God. That not only do we know him, that we understand his love, that we move towards his love for us, but that we share his love with others. See, Jesus said it himself. He quotes the Old Testament book, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5. He simply says this. He says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. See, that's my responsibility. That's what God wants from me, and that's what God wants from you. And then he says the second greatest commandment in Matthew. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. See, if we want to 
begin to love our neighbor, if we want to love our wives, our kids, our spouses, whoever, we have to first love our God. Because as we do that, we become image bearers. We become a reflection of who this God is. And we're able to love because we ourselves abide in his love. You know, I know that that you guys love me. There's no question. But I'll tell you this. And I'll say it from someone that has a son. I love my son more than I love you guys. I do. And I want you to think about it, think about it this way. If you and my son were hanging off the edge of a cliff, and I could only save one of you, if you could only save me or your son, who would you save? Well, I would save my son. I love you, but I'm sorry. I would save my son. So the Bible teaches us, listen to this, that God so loved the world that he gave up his only son. He sacrificed his only son for you, for me. See, he did something that none of us would ever think of doing. He gave up his son for you, for me. And all so we can know him, all so that we can be in his love and understand who he is. He is the one who created us. He is the one who brought us here. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. together this morning I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you I want to ask you the simple question do you know God's love do you know that he loves you so much do you know that he created you to be loved by him this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed I just want you to take a moment. I want you to understand and know something. There's what in the church world we call the ABCs of Christianity. And the first one is just to accept. Accept God's love for you. This morning, if you haven't done that yet, I want to I ask you to accept his love. God is offering it. He is reaching out his right hand this morning to you. And he wants you to accept his love. And secondly, the B part of it is that he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to pay the price, the wages of sin. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. The penalty for our sin, my sin, the world's sin, is death. And so what God did is he put his son on that cross. And he said, I am going to pay the price for you, Floyd. I am even me, price for all of mankind. That whoever would believe in me, whoever would trust in me, would not have to perish, but would have everlasting life. And all you and I have to do is, all we have to do is believe. All we have to do is trust and accept this love, this grace that God offers us this morning. 
And then the C and the ABCs is just to confess. We have to confess that that we are sinful. We have to acknowledge the disobedience that we've lived in and pursued. All the false gods that we have worshipped and idled over. Higher position than our loving creator, our loving God. Confess with all of your heart. Confess your sin. God already knows it. You're not fooling him in any ways. He knows. He just wants you to acknowledge it. Father, I thank you this morning that you love us. I thank you this morning that you've offered us your grace. You've offered us your mercy. And that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. So that we can know you, Father. So that we can come into this relationship and live with you and walk with you and talk with you. Seek you more and have a better understanding of the things that you desire for us. Father, I pray for every heart in here. I pray for every soul in here, Father, that they would just walk with you and live for you and seek you with all of their heart, all of their minds, all of their soul, with all of it that they have, Father. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. We love you and we praise you. and We do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, We're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.